Uh. Some of my peoples one time. What up, what up, what up? Ladies and gentlemen, you're back with us again. You can't escape us. We're like that that thing that gets stuck on your shoe and you try to shake it off. But then you say, you know what, I'm just gonna rock with this thing on my shoe. Ooh, this gross. thing makes my shoe wonderful. Hey, you know, it could be something good. You know, some color gets on your shoe and all of a sudden you think, you know, I'm gonna make my whole shoe this color. I'm gonna Got change you. my whole wardrobe. This is Across the Intersection Podcast. This is AJ. I'm in here with Eva and the homie A. Sweezy. As always, you can ingest this wonderful podcast on Spotify, on Apple and iTunes. Apple Podcasts and iTunes. We're on Google Play and Google Podcasts. We're on Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, and SoundCloud. Uh, Please holler at us on Twitter at AcrossThis and on Facebook. um, Facebook group Across the Intersection. Um, Please jump on there. Um, and hit us up if you got questions, comments, you want to throw shots, it's all good. You want to throw praise, we'll take that too. Um, you can hit me up on social media. I am at Divinimus on all platforms, D-I-V-E-N-O-M-O-U-S. And I'm on Twitter, as is my custom. That's E to the V to the. Yeah, I'm, I'm more on Twitter than anything. So if you want to holler at your boy, you want to get at me on Twitter. The other stuff I just kind of do just because. But if you really want to hit me up and get some kind of interaction, you want to hit me up on the Twits. On the right, Twits. Right, right, right. Um, I'm on that in real life. Yeah. You want to hit me up on the Twit Twit. So, as always, here we are. This is uh, 2019. Things is getting real. We had almost 30 days of a government shutdown. You know, just life is real right now here in these streets. You know, people, people, I was actually having lunch with a friend of mine yesterday. He's flying overseas um, next week. Um, he's flying back to the continent of Africa. Um, and he was, he was, I mean, he was telling me, he's like, it's real. He's like, man, I'm just a little concerned right now because TSA is like on that, you know, they, they on that whatever, whatever, you know, his, his flight is Thursday. I was like, brother, I keep you in prayer. I mean, cause a lot of people I know who are doing a lot of flying right now, they're just like TSA is like, yeah. All right, go ahead. You know, just on that. All right, go ahead. Um, so yeah, I'm looking forward to that because um, we're going uh, next weekend when uh, Jason Wilson from uh, Cave of Elam, he's doing his uh, book launch uh, next week in, in Detroit. So myself and some friends are flying out for that. You going that up there for that? Oh, that's what's up. Oh yeah, I saw oh, it and I was like, man, I would love to go up there. Yeah, I'd have to yeah. rearrange too much stuff to go to try to go up there. It's Man. always it's great when you have a person that you are friends with and that you know who is you like you see them the things that they've been working on their whole adult life finally yeah. coming. Yeah. yeah, but anyway, um, so we're gonna be flying over. This will be my first flight since the government shutdown, so it'll be interesting to see how that. It'll be all good. It'll just be pre nine eleven. You TSA is uh, perceived anyway. That's that's perceived security. So. Yeah, it's more of a visual deterrent. Yeah. Yeah. But you know that's that's life right now in 2019, ladies and gentlemen. So you know, it's just it is what it is. They you better pray that plane don't shut down. That's what you. That's what you gotta pray for. <laughs> right. You you better hope that engine don't get furloughed. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> nah. We uh, hey, listen, man. This, you know, one of the things I remember talking to this older guy. You know, he's a much older gentleman, very very wise brother. He was talking to me one time about how he lost his job when he was younger. He had gotten laid off a job, and his, you know, he was just newly married. He had like one young child, I believe, and his wife and his wife got sick. And he was telling me how, you know, he was praying for his wife, just you know that, you know, whatever would was was hitting her body would pass. And then he said, as he was praying, he got so angry, and he got angry with the Lord. He was like, man, Lord. While he was in prayer, he yeah, got angry. He got angry. He said, you know, he because he said. He was praying like, you know, Lord, bless my wife, you know, let this illness pass, et cetera, et cetera. And then he said just anger started to rise up. So in in his prayer, he started to just voice some of that frustration to the Lord. And, he, he, you know, he, he was saying how he said, Lord, you know, you you allowed me to lose this job. And now the only thing I have to depend on is prayer. And he literally said as he was saying it, the conviction hit his heart. And he was like, in in that moment, he didn't realize how much he depended on everything, 
everything else outside of God himself. And so, it, I mean, it was a wonderful story because it said, you know, he, he, he was able to, in that moment, go through a bunch of different emotions, kind of, you know, intercession to frustration and then to kind of repentance because he realized, wow, I don't depend on prayer. Like I depend on my health insurance. I depend on these other things. And right. so, I, you know, that's what I was telling this brother when we had lunch the other day. I said, man, listen, I'll keep you in prayer because in times like this, when so many things are literally out of our control, it's like you're, he's flying like 20 some hours. It's like a 20 hour, it's three flights. Um, he's He's got two layovers in two different countries. I said, man, I'm just going to keep you in prayer, bro. You know, in, in times like this, you know, when all these things are out of our control, right. um, we have to, you know, be reminded sometimes that we have access to things greater than the TSA. And I know that that, that that sounds like super religious, right? People are like, yo, man. But it's like, no, I have access to the supreme creator of the universe who is intimately concerned about my well-being. And that's, you know, sometimes we have to just be reminded of those things. So. Yep. Anybody flying right now, man, and, and listen, anybody eating food because the FDA has kind of scaled back food inspections, things going on. You got to pray over your food. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. You, well, you know what's what's interesting about this time is that, you know, the uh, you know the scripture, I can't think of the address, but it talks about how, um, you know, how um, every uh, uh, mountain that's high will be made low. Uh-huh. Um, like the earth will be flattened. And... Um, everybody, we've been on this whole social justice tear these past few years. Um, and everybody's talking about they want things more equal this and more equal that, you know, the rich and the versus the poor or whatever, whatever. Not realizing how wonderful we have it here in this country. Could things be better? Of course. But not really realizing just how good we, we have it because we have an experience like a great, like here we have an experience a great war or mass famine. Right. Uh, or, you know, um, a prolonged fiasco that disrupts our normal everyday, day to day react, you know, interactions. We haven't experienced that. And so now, you know, and this, what we're going through now isn't even that. If it were any, you know, it's, it, it's, it's some kind of approximation of it, but it's not even that completely. But even with this, I find it interesting that just going around and just hearing people talk and whatnot, the level of uh, um, things in which that people try to resort to mentally, not realizing the power of, um, you know, of the Lord and of the Most High and how we're, 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 we're built and designed for, 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 for situations like this. You know, and just talking with somebody yesterday, he was like, oh, yeah, it's like you got to do a Jedi mind trick. And I was, I was kind of, I, I wasn't biting my tongue. I was right. just quiet listening. <laughs> like, man, I'm not, I, I'm just listening, like not knowing, knowing not going along with this because when I, if I go along with the saying, I feel like I'm, you know, like Complicit, I'm yeah. the yeah, yeah. power that's within me. I'm just kind of let, let the man talk. But you hear how powerless people are, yep. you know, like they talk all this stuff about social this and social that and black bodies in the street and we need to organize and mobilize. But you ain't, y'all don't have no real power. Yeah. You know, y'all have no real power. Y'all are subject to the same uh, things in which everybody else is. You have no answers. Yep. You know, the very thing that that has, that provides us with answers, you're blinded to. So um, I just find it interesting. Yeah, that's a good example. I was, you know, some somebody sent me uh, one of these, you know, YouTube experts about how bad church stuff is, right? So it's like, yo. Yo, hey, you need to listen to this. And I was, you know, I watched it. And I think I was sharing this a couple episodes ago, but it's re- relative to what you just said. Hey, at, at the end of it, I was listening to it. And they were trying to essentially deny the the power that we as, as children of God have access to. Mm-hmm. And so what I said to it, it was a female. I said, what I said to her after I watched maybe the first few minutes, I said, what would stop me from just smashing your head and taking what you have? Right. If there if there is no power, if there is no supreme morality, if there's if everything is relative, right? You drive a nice car. Matter of fact, her car is nicer than mine. I said, what would stop me from just going over there and taking your car? Like you literally cannot stop me if I wanted to take what you have right now. And it's in Thessalonians where the 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 scriptures refer to the Holy Spirit as a restrainer. 
And, you know, we just in in times like this, we have to, you know, remember that the power is not just to exert power, but it's actually to also keep power restrained. Isn't that something? You know, and so exercising restraint in in these times will also just be a a demonstration of power. But anyway, folks, you didn't hear us. You, You didn't dial into this illustrious podcast to hear us rant and rave about a government shutdown, although that's what's going on in our neck of the woods it does dovetail into one of the things that we did want to chit chat about it's something that's been on our radar for a few months and we kind of been kicking the can a little bit you know using government terms we've been kicking the can a little bit but this is a it's an older article um from the guardian um from the guardian if you have if you want to check it out we will put the the link in the facebook page um in, in in the facebook group excuse me and it's about it's about an atheist pastor. You heard. Oh, wait, me. wait, 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 wait. What did you say? Yeah, I know, right? Like, I know. I just kind of glossed I over that real static, fast. I just kind of. The staticums, the staticums, and the nuances kind of messed up the deliberations of what it is that you just enunciated. Can you please um, <laughs> re- reproduce the factions that um, that that came through your utterance? Yeah, I know. I, I. Can you say that again? I I zipped through that really quick. You heard me correct if you're listening and you just dropped your phone. An atheist pastor. You heard it right. It's a it's an article in The Guardian and it's about an atheist pastor in Canada. Her name is Greta Vosper. Again, this article is old. It's about two right. years old. So we this just want to doxing. This ain't no doxing. This yeah. is the actual article. Names out there. All of that. Atheist pastor. Yeah, okay. It's an atheist Got pastor. And unless she's passed away or the Lord has truly convicted her heart, she might still be an atheist pastor. But it's right. actually, and you know, as we talk, we're, you'll you'll see what, what we get into because it's not necessarily about her specifically. I think she's a symptom to a, a much larger problem. But anyway, Miss Greta Vosper, she is the minister at the United Church of Canada. Now that, as wild as that sounds, ladies and gentlemen, that is actually not the wildest part of this story. The wildest part of this story is that she has been the lead minister in this church since 1997. That should be much more alarming. She didn't just get, you know, appointed yesterday or, you know, two years ago when this article was written. She was appointed in 1997. Um, and I've, I find it astonishing. So just a couple of highlights just a couple of highlights, and then you know we we'll, we'll throw it out to the crew, and you know we'll we'll chop it up. So, she was ordained in 1993, and you know unfortunately it's a it, it's a very sad testimony of Christendom in general. She she did not start out this way. She was you know again she was ordained in 93, and she was a you know a minister you know female pastor whatever you want to call it, um, up in Canada. In Toronto, in Toronto, Ontario, to to be uh, specific. And it says that she was, you know, pastoring, quote unquote, for years. But then it says about eight years later, she became vexed by the archaic languages and the imagery (laughs) and the stories of the Bible. And so she says that one Sunday she just delivered an off the cuff sermon that deconstructed the concept of God. Which is again, this is all and here again, that as crazy as that sounds, listen to this. She says that she braced herself for a negative response. But to her surprise, church leaders were intrigued by the direction in which she was heading and encouraged her to move forward. So she goes. So she she preaches, you know, every Sunday, every other Sunday. I'm not sure how often she preaches. The The point of it is, is that she makes it a point that in her sermons, she does not use the term God in, in when she, you know, speaks. Um, she has, there's one large steel cross, which they state in the article is one of the few remaining religious symbols in, in the church that she leads. And then she is quoted as saying, I do not believe in a theistic supernatural being called God. I don't believe in what I think 99.99% of the world thinks you mean when you use that word. To her, God is instead a metaphor for goodness and a life lived with compassion and justice. 
Yo, folks. Well, well, well. So I was going to ask what she it says she preaches and she's been preaching all this time. I was going to ask what she preaches about, but apparently she it seems like she uses the principles in scripture um, rather than acknowledging that there is a source to those principles. Is that, is, is, does that sound about right? Yeah, I would say that. I mean, and again, that's why I'm saying it's a it's a terrible testimony of Christendom in general. You know, that's a testimony that, you know, we can we can start out good. And and this is I think it's in Philippians where uh, Paul writes, why do we try to finish in the flesh what God starts in the spirit? How do we think at, at some point in time we we feel like, all right, God, I, I can take it from here. And I don't you know, I'm not sure why we think we have that, why we have that mentality within us. But it's there. Somehow we think that we can finish in our human ability what. God himself started. In a, well, on the other hand, I think, I think it's a little dangerous, on the other hand, to stifle a minister's continued growth and discovery and progression. Because on the one hand, yes, that minister can uh, end up going in the direction of contradicting what she sees with her own eyes and what she perceives with her senses, which is there's a there's a creator of this, just like, you know, a two-year-old knows that a painter painted that painting they're looking at. Like it didn't just pop into existence. Um, so, so I, I can understand, um, of course, people, any Christian being wary of a minister allowing their study uh, to go in that direction. But I think it's dangerous when you have congregations um, that have a specific doctrine, and um, as as a result of the confines of that doctrine, people who are ministers within those congregations at various churches really are limited on what they can discover about their faith. It's almost like it's almost as if they they can only stay within the paradigm of that of, of that doctrine, as if the doctrine itself isn't flawed. And so I think that what ends up happening is that a lot of pastors, especially when you align their income uh, with their pastorate, uh, end up not continuing to grow and develop and, and ask basic questions um, about the scripture that they're ministering and taking their congregants someplace in their walk um, or in their collective congregational walk with God in their individual walk with God because they are stifled by the paycheck and the doctrine that goes along with it. Let me ask you yeah. a question, Eva. What do you mean when you say growth? Well, what I'm talking about is just continuing to discover God in their lives, what it means to delight in him and to obey him, what who he is. Of course, God is inexhaustible. So there's, there's only room for growth in discovering who he is or who God is and who they are within his creation. Uh, that's what I mean by growth. So I, what I'm saying is that, for example, there could be an aspect of a particular congregation's doctrine that is inconsistent with what scripture teaches. There simply could be, but in there, I think often is. Uh, for example, when we look at the Catholic church, this is just one example, the Catholic church in its whole structure disobeys the first commandment. <laughs> When, you know, when we're talking, I mean, sorry, this is it, maybe it's the second commandment, but the, the point is having graven images. Right. OK. And this is basic. You know, this is this is Bible and Christianity and and, Ju and Judaism 101. Right. So um, but what if a, a, a Catholic priest, you know, looked around at all the, you know, uh, images around him in his in his edifice and then looked at uh, um, Exodus chapter 20 and say, wait, wait a second, something's not right. Well, he doesn't have the ability to do that because as poverty stricken as he is, somebody is paying his bills or giving him a check that allows him to be six feet above uh, the ground instead of six feet under. And so he actually has to compromise things within his own life, his own sustainability, just to continue to be a preacher or a, a priest, as opposed to actually being able to grow and take his congregation someplace. Okay. I, I mean, I, I feel like I knew what you meant when you said growth, but then, you know, that can be taken a, a myriad of different ways, well, you, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I, um, certainly Eva, I hear exactly what you're saying that, um, because of the, 
because the commitments of the position that they're in, which is not biblical, by the way, uh, because of the commitments of the positions that they're in and their faith, unfortunately, becomes uh, it's like they're weighed down and they end up being becoming retarded, you know, like the faith retards um, or it, it, it develops in a in a in a strange and um, unnatural way. Uh, and rather than having the opportunity or, or uh, freedom to be able to uh, work out their faith uh, with fear and tre- trembling, um, they, uh, they, they tend to uh, lash out and they go in all of these odd and peculiar, uh, but not peculiar people, <laughs> but just strange and um, they deviate. They deviate from... Um, you know, from 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 uh, healthy uh, healthy development, and then, um, but the sad thing is, is that then they they begin to um, unfortunately become stumbling blocks and lead people astray, uh, and and so uh, so the other people end up compromising their faith uh, and falling away from you know from the Lord. And so, um, what I find though is that there's a lot of assumptions being made uh, in these articles, um, and not just not just in these articles. Excuse me. There's a lot of assumptions being made in our speech. Uh, the term ordained, she was ordained. Now we take that and we're like, okay, well, she was ordained, but ordained by who? Ordained by who? And what does that ordain mean? Right. Right? Like, well, I would assume it, it means she was ordained in that United Church of Canada by, you know, their leadership or whatever. And that, and that would be the proper assumption. But that assumption also comes for most people when they hear that, that's, that word ordained is mean for, is, is, selected for a reason. It doesn't say certified. It says ordained, even though ordained means certified, right? Within that within that group. Right. The reason why the word ordained is chosen is to have some kind of salience to the Bible, to give them a form of authority that they don't actually have. Mm. So they go and they pick apart the Bible and they take these terms out of, uh, from the scriptures and they put it around the edifice in which that they create so that they can have um, more authority in which the Lord actually truly gives these people. Um, and, and so I bring that, I, I just say that to even use the term, you know, Christianity, Christendom Christianity. And, you know, I try to say this over and over that that term is a, is a trick bag. And the reason why I say it's a trick bag is um, because what the, the term Christianity is, uh, ostentatious you know it's ostentationism um and the term ostentatious or ostentation means pretentious display meant to impress others uh, or boastful showiness uh, or it means the act or an instance of showing an exhibition the term term christianity um is a catch-all tent term that um people took who had who who had who were doing things that have actually absolutely nothing to do with the Bible, um, but they took this term because they were impressed by the figure uh, in the scriptures uh, that being um, who we tend to refer to as Jesus the Christ. They created this term called Christianity, and they just they they stuff in everything in which that they want to do, whether or not it contradicts the scriptures, um, because it gives them uh, it, it gives them a uh, sense of authority from the onlooker. So you have this term Christianity and within Christianity, the first thing we tend to, first things we tend to think of is um, uh, a pastor over a church um, with congregants, uh, giving tithes and offerings and people ordained and priests and, um, and the Pope and a mitre and the Eucharist uh, and, uh, uh, you, you know, a, cho- a choir, a chorus, clergy, you know, all these things that actually, a- absolutely in action, not necessarily in name, but in, well, some in name, but mostly in action have absolutely nothing to do with the Bible. You um, know, when you, when you look at, um, you know, I, I had somebody give me an examination of the characteristics of the the body of Christ like now and then in in, in antiquity yeah. and one of the characteristics that you see and, and I actually looked through it and, and I saw what he was getting at and he said in in modern in modern Christendom it's we we make it very easy for people to come in and then we try to make it hard for them to leave 
Uh. He said, but when you look at the characteristics of the church in, in antiquity, it was hard to get in yep. and easy to leave. You know, when, yes. when when people wanted to walk walk away, right, Paul would say, yeah, turn that brother over to his flesh. Go ahead. Right. He he made it very easy. You want to leave? Go ahead. But it was very hard to 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 get in. Everybody who just wanted to come in and, and ride the, the gravy train, it it wasn't as easy. And, you know, that's one of the things that we have to get back into. Um, you know, this this whole notion of everybody's a Christian, you know, praise to my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Yeah. You know, that 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 whole mentality, it's yeah. it's too easy sometimes for and somebody in the article actually references this they they um they spoke to someone and they were like she should just go ahead and leave the church and like go do her own thing but we don't do things like that um yes we we try to make it hard and i say we because again i'm you know I'm, i'm not saying that i'm better than anybody else but we we try to make it hard for people to leave when we've made it so easy for them to to come in when it should be the other way around. We anyone who wants to just call themselves a whatever. Yep. Like I can't just call myself a graduate of Yale University. I can't just say, hey, you know I'm a graduate of Yale University. They're gonna say, hey, bro, you gotta show something that denotes you have graduated Yale University, right? But yet and still, think about this. I can claim membership into the family of God without showing any fruit, anything. No person to vouch for me. No one can speak to my character. I can just kind of say, no, nah, I'm a believer. You, you didn't know me. I'm a church leader. I'm this, I'm that. I was ordained or whatever. I mean, you you, you can get, you know, a uh, uh, minister's license online yeah. without anybody yeah. having to vouch for your character. You're right. It's it, it's just so easy and, and so simple to to get these things. And we all know anything that you get very simple and very easily, you're not going to value. Yep. We're not going to, and that's human nature. So when people get these things so easily, they can just kind of waltz in and immediately receive all these accolades or accreditations. And then we get surprised when they don't value them. Well, they got it so easy. Why would they value it? Right, right. And and, and I, and I want to go on to even say like, you know, this, people say this isn't Christianity, but, you know, and I'll go on to say like, well, you know, as far as what we understand Christianity Christianity to be, it is Christianity. Like Christianity is everything that has to do with the outside and what people see uh, and an edifice and a structure and an organization uh, that is tax paying, so on and so forth. And so if that woman is paying her taxes, these people voted her in. Uh, if, if that is her um, profession, um, then she's a pastor. You know, is she operating within the gift of pastoring? No, she's not. Um, that's not her role it's just another conversation but that's according to the scriptures um but when it comes to according to the world um when it comes according to how um you know how these uh car carrying congregations or or, uh, car carrying members run things then she absolutely is a christian unfortunately and that but that's that's the trick bag that's that's a trick bag where we all get confused and this right here is the pimple you know this is like the pimple coming to a head um that needs to get popped um, but this is, you know, this is a situation that 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 we find ourselves in, you know, an right. atheist pastor who's been employed <laughs> you for, know, 20 for 20 years. Again, years yeah, this is 20 place. years. 20, 20, 19, 20 years. You know, I think 22 because it's 2019, 22, 23. Right. Like anyway. Again, yeah, yeah. This is the, at the time the article was written. But now, yeah, now we're in like 22 years. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, that's. It's grotesque, man. Yeah. You know, it's I'll, grotesque. Did you have any more thoughts, Eva? No, I just, um, well, actually, no, no more thoughts about that except to say that um, I just think it's important that we also, just as believers, think about um, whether we are going to allow people to, who, who lead us to be uncertain about things. And that kind of brings me back to something I mentioned a bunch of podcast episodes ago about this pod, this other podcast um, that profiled AJ Smith in Philly um, when he had planted his church. And, um, and he's just started experiencing a little bit of uncertainty in response to his question, the questions that the 
the interviewer was asking him about his faith. Just the interviewer was asking questions that, that this guy had not thought of before. You know, women in the pulpit, homosexuality among Christians, things like that. That he, you know, not that he hadn't thought about those specific things, but that he hadn't thought about some of the sub questions that came up. You know, what if this, what if that, et cetera. And so, um, so one thing that that uh, AJ noticed in the, because his a lot of his congregants had really gone crazy when they heard the podcast episode that had been blasted all over the world, and they they were really it was really difficult for them to handle some of his uncertainty. And then he wrote an article saying that he just realized that something that that parishioners want is for their pastor to be certain. You know, they like they're uncomfortable with a pastor who's examining certain issues, certain issues in life and certain issues in scripture. And, and there are some nuances that scripture is not clear on and pastor going through a process of discovery. People who follow that pastor and who go to his church every Sunday don't want that. <laughs> they don't want that. They want someone who is certain because people are looking for certainty in a world that we only see 5% of of light. <laughs> so, and forget it, like our perception is extremely dim in general, but somehow people want certainty. So I think that um, what this all lends itself to, and of course I disagree with, you know, the notion of atheism mm-hmm. which to me doesn't actually doesn't make sense. Um, but uh, are we going to allow somebody to go through this process, even if they you know, give up the pastorship for a while? Like, do we excommunicate people who are in the process of learning what they believe? And even if they have a period of time where they kind of um, think that they conclude temporarily that possibly there isn't a God, do are, are they removed from their whole social circle and, and pushed to the side? Does the Bible support that? Um, maybe it does. Maybe the New Testament does. But you know, do we do we believe that somebody should have a trajectory that their life is going in and and that they shouldn't examine these things now rather than later in the future or lying to themselves as if they don't have these types of questions? Now, I think what you both are, are, are referencing is is there 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 are two sides of, of the same coin, because, yes, I think that people should be given the space to examine themselves. Jude tells us this, you know, Jude says, hey. Continue to examine yourself. Make sure you're still in the faith. But how do you do that if you are a professional minister? How do you do that if you are a card-carrying, you know, licensed, ordained minister? That's that's where the conundrum comes in, which is why yeah. you know these these two things are so antithetical. They're they're in opposition to one another because yeah, many of us as we're walking, just walking out our walk, sometimes we'll come across things. You'd be like, man, I'm not sure if I believe that. And and you gotta wrestle through some stuff, and that's there's nothing wrong with that because when you read the article, you even see I, you know, I want to read here. It says that throughout her time, Vosper um, crouched her or couched her strong beliefs in linguistic gymnastics. It says that she started to dis- she first described herself as a non-theist, and then later as a theological non-realist. It's just a whole bunch of. And then she said, finally, in 2013, she embraced the term atheist. Now, if she's making her way to becoming an atheist, that's her business. But again, you know, when you read the qualifications like in Timothy and I believe also in Titus of elders in in the house of God, you see some of the stringent requirements that that Paul lays out and encourages Timothy to implement when you know, appointing elders. Um, and one of the things that he that he says is that how can this person lead the house of God if their own home is not in order, if their own house, their own personal house is, is not in order? And it's yes. it's important that we separate the two. You know, does does the house of God have leaders? Yes, the house of God has leaders. There's been leaders in the house of God since, you know, the beginning of the house of God. But are those people supposed to be people still working through things? No. And that's the problem. Like, I mean, still working through basic foundational concepts of their faith. If you're saying that you don't even believe in the concept of a God, okay, that's fine. Work through that. You can't be leading God's people, though. So you need to separate those two. And, you know, to to your point, Eva, if, if you're getting a paycheck 
And I don't know how big her church is. You know what I'm saying? If you her look, her her clothing in the article, in the pictures in the article look pretty nice. So <laughs> if you get that nice United Church of Canada paycheck, you know, it that might be hard to step away from. So what ends up happening is you make a spectacle. You make a spectacle of 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 the house of God. You know, there's someone that 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 I know. I actually know two people who actually work at wastewater treatment. I just want to, you know, wrap this segment with this. And in the wastewater treatment, they don't let you bring in bottled water. They don't let like they don't like the workers coming into the wastewater treatment. You know, if you bring your lunch or if you're just drinking some water, they 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 frown upon you coming in with bottled water. And I would I remember asking a couple of guys like, why do they do that? Because they, they were saying if you come in there with bottled water, Deer Park or Voss, if you fancy whatever. Right. That that says to them that their process for treating the water is imperfect, but they believe that their process is perfect. So they're saying, hey, we're treating this water. It's clean to drink. You should be able to drink the water out the faucet. So we don't want our employees coming in here with bottled water. That's just their particular standard that they're holding their employees to, which is fine. It's their prerogative. Why is it that this type of behavior is accepted in the house of God? That's that's the real question that we should be asking, not the symptom. This lady is a symptom of a much larger problem. But why do we accept things like this, like people calling themselves an, an, an atheist and still allowing them to be a pastor? Maybe, maybe, maybe that's not the house of God. Oh, I mean, but house I, of, I wouldn't write off all God, the people who the attend that church. God. But yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not writing off all the people. That's the trick bag. Is that you know Israel is is, uh, is is spiritual, mostly spiritual, you know, um, and it's not necessarily defined by these buildings. Oh no, I I agree. I'm just I know, you know, I know. I, I, when she when she made that initial sermon, and yes. the article said that those church leaders encouraged yeah. her to continue on that path. I'm like, yeah. nobody said anything, really? Right. Wow. Well, some people, yeah. So you, they, there was a fault. Like there, there were people who left that. Who left that uh that that congregation? But yes, I mean she's still employed. She's still getting paid. She's still all those things. It's uh yeah, it's um it's pretty it's pretty 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 terrible. Yeah. So check out the article, ladies and gentlemen. It it'll be on the Facebook page. It's in the Guardian. Yeah, yeah. Um, get, you know what? Yeah, go ahead, get, get a Guardian some clicks, man. Yeah. Guardian, they always be asking for like a dollar and all of that. So, <laughs> oh, that's so shout out to okay. the Guardian. We will we will post this article on the on the. Uh, we will post this article on the Facebook page, and I do want to send a one shout out to uh, Mr. David Ewart. He is one of the church ministers in the United Church in Canada, and he did write an open letter suggesting that Vosper should just leave the church and do her own thing. So I will yeah, say that, you know, there, yeah, there's a there's a couple cats, you know, still trying to go hard for things. But it's right. just un- unfortunate that these things continue to persist um, within Christian circles. All right, folks, and we're back. So, um, if if you listen to the podcast over, you know, we're we're coming up on two years, which is like super exciting for me. Yeah, mm, um, great. Just a personal milestone, you know. I think we, we we've been rocking, you know, different hosts, kind of up and down, and you know, so the the three of us have kind of been going strong here the last year or so. But if you listen to our catalog, because we got a catalog player, we got a catalog. You recall, um. Maybe about a year ago, we we did a, a series on white evangelicalism and, you know, all the different things that was going on with that in the news. And that's not what we're here to rehash. But so one of the things that we're going to tackle in 2019, because we like to stir up controversy and, you know, I love to piss people off because I'm, I'm, I'm all about that. I'm all about that base um, is we're, we're, we're going to attempt to go into one of those. 800 pound gorillas that's in the room that you know many people don't like to talk about we kind of know it's there 
But in in typical Christian fashion, we like to ignore things and hope they go away. Mm-hmm. Um, that's just you know that that's been one of the characteristics of us throughout history, and it's unfortunate. You know, there's actually a book coming out. I can't wait for it. It's called The Color of Compromise by Jamar Tisby. Shout out to Jamar Tisby. Cool. Yeah, he's cool. um, president of the Witness. Um, but that that book it just goes into the the complicit nature of the American church throughout all the different atrocities that have existed throughout the history of this country, and just how the church has been so complicit, particularly the American church. But that's neither here nor there. What we're going to get into, you know, and what is um, the the concept of is Western Christianity biblical? I know we that's a whole lot to kind of swallow. So we're going to say it one more time. Is Western Christianity biblical? Now, you might be thinking to yourself, yo, AJ, that's a oxymoron. That's a that's a paradox. Of course it is. Right. You, you just said Christianity. Right. Shouldn't that be one and the same? But as you'll see here over the, the next several episodes, when we begin to deconstruct and we're and listen, we don't consider ourselves the foremost expert on any of these things, but we are people who like to ask questions. Um, and and so go ahead. In addition, to that, in addition to that, yes, we are people who like to ask questions. Um, but in addition to that, we're not afraid to ask questions. Um, a lot of times when you have been born into or you are converted into a paradigm, that says, this is the proper world view. And then you build your whole social life around that paradigm and your whole weekly schedule around that and your whole life is built within that paradigm. Then sometimes the thought of even asking questions that, that, that force you to stick your head above the paradigm and see it for what it is, doesn't even come to mind. So I think that um, just like we do with a lot of other aspects of life, when it comes to our spiritual lives, we should really be, you know, unafraid to ask questions. God does not get offended. God is not, you know, so oh, yeah. small, you know, that he can't, you know, stand underneath your question or stand next to your question or anything like that. So, yeah, I think that's one of the things that um, that this podcast does. Hey, and listen, when you ask the question, sometimes you got to be prepared for that answer. So so over the next several you know, episodes, we're we're going to spend the second half of the show just kind of going through this topic in in some depth. And we've, you know, personally, amongst the, the three of us, we've written down a, a bunch of questions that we're going to attempt to discuss and we're going to throw it out there to you guys in the Facebook group and some of our other groups. Um, that, hey, listen, if you have any suggestions or any thoughts, please feel free to jump on and throw it out there. And if it's if it meets a high standard of quality, we may we may bring it on air. No, I'm just kidding. So with that being said, Western Christianity, which is the context um, question number one. And we're just going to bounce this around to the to the squad here in under the umbrella of is Western Christianity uh, biblical. Where does the concept of a church building come from? Oh, come on. Don't be messing with my Jesus. Where does the concept of a church building come from? It, it comes from the Bible, sir, where it says, <laughs> do, not the, do not forsake the assembly of the brethren. That's where it comes from. Now, I think before we dissect the uh, question, I think we have to just look at two things. And so I'm just going to throw out two uh, qualifiers here. Um, A is right that people love to kind of quote the the various um, references in the New Testament in particular to the word church. Um, And again, this is why I referenced that series we did last year on um, evangelicalism. Um, that word is ecclesia or ecclesia, however you want to put the the uh, emphasis, which speaks to a group of called out individuals, right, for a specific purpose, right, a called out group or assembly of people. That is what that word is. The word church is a Germanic word, so ecclesia is an Aramaic word. Or maybe Greek. I, I forget that. Greek. I it's think Greek. I can okay. see it. Greek. It's not Aramaic. Thank you. It's Greek. Where church is based on the Germanic word kerk, which, well, which actually. Which is based on temple, right? 
Yeah, exactly. Kerk is an actual religious building. So that's what the word is based on. And they ended up, you know, just sometimes how things happen throughout history, they ended up becoming synonymous. And so when when people thought of Kerk, right, a, a religious building, could be temple, could be whatever you want to call it, right? It's a religious place where people went to do religious stuff. Oh. Right? That already was, it was already a thing. And then you have so, this new thing, this ecclesia, this group of people who exercise their religious activity, quote unquote, um, in any context, in any space, just somehow through the annals of history, those two things become synonymous. So with that being said, just want to throw that those two qualifiers out there. So where does the concept of a church building come from? So let me throw it out here to the squizzard. What do you... What do you guys think on that? So, well, one other connection that, uh, you know, I hear uh, people say um, is, well, the Bible has a temple, right? Don't we talk about how God has a temple? Well, this is the temple, right? Like God has a temple. This is the temple. Well, you know, 1 Corinthians 3 says that your body is the temple. Is it 3, oh. right? I know it's 1 Corinthians, well, but you it know, might what's not interesting be about that? It says you, the Bible, I mean, that scripture says you, you, you yourselves are right. the temple of the Holy Spirit or of the Holy Ghost. And so it's like, even when people say my body is a temple, I think that actually might be an incorrect uh, application of that scripture because the scripture refers to us, plural, as being, you know, one or as being the temple, not a bunch of little temples running around. Exactly. Yep, because we are stones being built into a house. Yes, yes. it is the collective yeah. that is the temple. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the collective that's the temple. And doesn't even First Peter refer to us as stones? Yep, First Peter two. We are we are living stones being built up together. Stones. Yeah, here we go. Well, I have some I have some pushback against this whole part of the discussion because yeah, I think that it, as I said earlier, it makes sense to ask questions. Please push back. Which, which might not have um, been asked, you know, by individuals within the Christian faith before. So I definitely am in favor of, of having those sorts of uh, inquiries and really examining beneath the surface. But what difference does it make where a building came from? I know throughout my time as a Christian, I've had different perspectives about buildings. Very For good. example, I've come across people who've been spending decades upon decades raising money for a building fund. And I've seen so much go into it and even some things that are a little bit uh, not um, morally sound, but even in, in situations where it has been morally sound and the money has gone directly to that, I've always felt, or at times I felt like it, it makes no sense to put so much money towards a building when that same energy could have been redirected toward the mission of that church. On the other hand, sometimes when I've been within church congregation that didn't have its own building, having to break down and build up and find other places for materials and, and furniture and all of that every single week was a pain. And it made sense for us to have our own. Um, so, you know, I think that for some, some uh, church congregations, having a building is good. For other church congregations, having a building is bad. But what difference does it make where the source of the notion of a church building? What difference does that make? Where does that what what does that come from? I don't uh, think it's bad per se. Um, but I think you you sort of answered the question a, a little bit as you were asking, because unfortunately, many of the things that are associated with maintaining a building, right? It's not the building in and of itself. Right. It is the everything that comes along with maintaining a building. Um, what it ends up happening is it ends up working its way to the top of the priority list. That's just by the nature of the thing itself. Um, yeah. And so what ends up happening is you cannot focus on the people. Not because you don't want to or because you hate the people or, you know, you're you're this charlatan to take one of your terms. Right. It's because the maintenance of a edifice 
It is a tremendous undertaking. It By just the way, is. I know people from Charlotte, and I think that's uh, kind of insensitive to use that term charlatan. <laughs> I, I think that's, that's not inclusive. That's very. On behalf of the people from Charlotte, we do apologize. Yeah, charlatan. Not everybody from. Not every charlatan is a bad person. Oh man, that is anyway. funny. That's a that's actually a good one. That's a good one. Um, but you know, I, think I don't know if that's what you call people from Charlotte. By the way, I just charlatonians. Just I don't know. Uh, but no, in, in, in all seriousness, I mean, it is it is the the development, the the building, the development and the maintenance of an edifice. It is an it yeah. is a tremendous undertaking. And you you cannot, you know, let it let things slack. Right. Because it's, it's too expensive. It's too time consuming. It's too large of a thing for it to not end up at the top of the priority list. That's all. Yeah, it's the material, it's the materialist aspect of it that uh, ends up being a distractive, not unlike a, a large mortgage, uh, but <laughs> probably like ten times greater pressure. Oh yeah, uh, I, I need to think about that. Yeah, if you're if you're leasing it or something like that, then you got like a mortgage payment. Yeah, or financing yeah. it. Excuse me, not leasing, financing it. So 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 we know that the the truth divides, right? Like the truth doesn't bring people together the truth actually separates apart and so um when you really think about it when you have a uh a, a, a financial goal financial responsibilities that you have to these thresholds that you have to meet every nth week or or nth month or whatever it is then that's going to be in um direct direct opposition to dwindling that 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 um you know that giving base so you you can't say things you know like uh the hero is real the lord our god the lord is one Might as well. you, you can't you can't say you can't say things you know like um the the what is it here where uh where you say um he has filled the hungry with good things but has sent the rich away empty you know which is uh Luke chapter one, verse 53, you can't, can't read things like that because the people who could write the checks is like, well, what you talking about? You're talking about me? Okay, let's see if you survive if I leave. You know, um, you have to unfortunately not preach or not speak the whole, the, the whole truth. Uh, and, and that is where, you know, I mean, it's, 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 a, it's a downward spiral, right? Like, next thing you know, you got an atheist pastor. So... Yeah. So, but that gets back to some of the remarks that I had been making earlier, which is, you know, as I mentioned, I've had differing views of the whole yeah. of a um, of a building, um, and so, but the people who do not have their own space also have their own set of challenges. Yeah. What, what, what do you think can be done to rectify those? So, well, for me, I'm sure uh, um, uh, AJ probably has a different uh, his own view, but. You know, for me, what the Lord impresses on my heart is that we continue not necessarily to seek after the patterns of the world, but, you know, after the image of Christ. And what is it? What is his example that he sets? You know, he had no place to lay his head, you know, um, maybe in which the things in which that we are mimicking is not necessarily the things in which that the Lord will have uh, for us, um, you know, like these ministers of music and like a choir and like uh a certain setup. I mean, if you can't afford it, don't do it. Uh, also, we all have crosses to bear, right? Like certain things take certain responsibilities. Um, it may be wiser to think of a more or um, pray for a more nimble way in order to, in order to fellowship, in order to meet, in order to congregate. If you can't, if you if you if you don't have it like that, you know. Um, I mean, it just kind of, it kind of is what it is in that regard. Um, but I think a lot of a lot of trouble people tend to run into is to try to recreate what they think church is supposed to be and a church experience is supposed to, supposed to be and you end up, you know, look in, in a situation like that, you know, like one of these, uh, and I say this respectfully, you know, storefront churches uh, where, you know what I'm saying, it's everything that what you're talking about or people going in and out of a school auditorium and, you know, um, I mean, the, the the thing is that I want to say this is that 
what what I'm saying, what we're saying here is that this is not necessarily, at least for me, a condemnation or where people are as far as whether they are a son of the Most High, whether they're not a son of the Most High. That's not for me to determine. Um, the Lord is calling people. He's dealing with people in their specific languages uh, and in their own lives. So I'm not here necessarily saying somebody is or is not. But what I am saying, uh, based off of my experiences and based off of the things in which that I've said, and then also what the scripture identifies, is that we run into roadblocks and stumbling blocks. And as we continue to grow closer and closer to the Lord, then, you know, things of the world we need to be shedding. And I say that as first in line, you know, and not constantly taking on certain things. And so, you know, um, so anyway, I just wanted to, I just wanted to say that like we're all different places. Yeah, I would I would also say to people that what ends up happening is if you associate your I'm I'm using religion for lack of better term, but if you associate your spiritual activities with a place in your mind psychologically that that place ends up becoming elevated. Yes. Because you associate that place with spiritual activities. And so you end up elevating that place. And, and that place gets an elevated view when it's just a place like any other place. Right. In 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 ancient Israel, right, in, in the Old Testament, when the Lord built the temple, right, when Solomon built the temple, there actually was a holies of holies. Everybody couldn't go in and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But when the Lord dies, the, the veil is rent, right, from top to bottom, allowing everyone to experience the presence of God no matter where they are and I would also say that you know a building is needed when it's needed but when it's not needed it's not needed so if you're having let's say you're, you're having a large gathering right and you need a building that's a specific reason to get a building and in that case we can just go out and rent a facility for the day or for a weekend because we have a specific purpose for a building, right? When buildings right. are needed, they're great to have. But when they're not needed, they become a burden. And again, because of the nature of a building, it will work its way to the top of your priority list. And so that's why it's important to put these things in, in proper perspective. We're not saying that all buildings are bad. Anybody who meets in a building is going to burn in hell. That's exactly. that's that's nonsense talk. But what I would say is every dollar that I pour into maintaining an edifice is a dollar that I could have poured into the life of someone specific, right? I could get a million dollars and go buy a big building, right? Or I could take that million dollars I can go get two or three brothers who I've been walking with personally and say, you know what? Would you guys be willing to leave your jobs? Because I can give you $100,000 right now. And then we can just focus on discipleship. We can focus on your life being matured, et cetera, et cetera. You no longer have the burden of trying to have to focus on money. Like I'm just throwing it out there as a concept. And what you're talking about um, lends itself to what I think is a foundational issue um, within this discussion. Uh, and it might be foundational to other discussions we have about the uh, bibliocentricity of Western Christianity. Hold on, hold on. You going to throw out a $10 it. word like that, girl? But anyway, <laughs> but anyway, and I think the foundational question is, um, what is the purpose of this ecclesia? What is the purpose of this gathering of people? What are we gathering around? What are we trying to do? Are we nation building? For example, somebody might say, we're trying to build a nation. This world is going plum crazy. I want to make sure that I am around people who um, are like-minded uh, and that we raise children who have friends who are, you know, who have this world view uh, right. so that they don't feel pulled by whatever the right. is going out there. You know, so somebody might say, we're trying to build a nation here. Okay, so then let's see how the, the decisions that we make regarding buildings and doctrine or whatever the situation is um, will, will help to serve that aim. And so I think that's the question that people need to ask. First of all, what is the purpose of this particular gathering of people before determining whether peripheral issues are important? That's a wonderful that is a wonderful way to uh, summarize the discussion. So, ladies and gentlemen, you know, we, we want to encourage you. Ask these questions. 
ask these questions. Think about these things. Um, and if you want to refute some of our statements here, please feel free. Jump on and refute. If you say I agree, but I don't agree. Or can you elaborate? Um, these th- This is going to be an, an ongoing discussion. We yes. want to kind of deconstruct some of the things, you know, as Jude says, examine yourself to see if you still be in the faith. Well, we want to examine this thing to make sure that it is actually the faith of our forefathers, right? That is actually the the faith that that many men laid their lives on the line for. Hebrews 11 talks about these people. So we want to make sure that we're still walking in the same faith um, as as these great pillars of, of antiquity. So um, we're, we're going to jump into this next time. Again, we're going to do this over the next s- several episodes, just d- discussing um, Western Christianity and its bibliocentricity, to use yeah. the words of uh, <laughs> Miss Eva here. So as uh, always, y'all know, so y'all know how we do, um, no matter what we're talking about, whether it's atheist pastors in Canada or bibliocentricity, we're going to make sure we keep God in the mix. So, we thank y'all for rocking with this one more again. For A and Eva, this is AJ saying peace. Peace. Later. Let's get started. I won't teach you. Let me set apart who is my people. The ones who set in their heart to be believers. Press on to the mark to follow Jesus. When it gets hard, they be seeking the leaders. Fathers that help them heal when they are beaten. Or help them see the meaning when they're grieving. Don't follow their feelings that are being misleading. They the ones that keeping it biblical Keep it 100 when others saying it's fictional A relational life, that is how it's scriptural A stay in the light while cats be living typical Integrity be chose cause folks is hypocritical Religious midwit, man that is how they picture you Wishing you would go the way of the extinction.